So don't think this is for anybody else. This is a word for you. Um, and, uh, and so we're here uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. The Bible says this. Or it's talking, Jesus is talking about offering here. And he says this. He says, your, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled. Reconciled means to restore relationship. How do, we, how do we restore relationship? Well, it's either by somebody asking forgiveness or somebody seeking and forgiving, right? I mean, that's how, that's how a relationship is reconciled. That's how it comes together. So it says this, leave your offering, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. What is he talking about here? I'm going to teach this morning. And as long as you keep um, talking back to me, I, I won't walk around and preach, all right? I'll just stay right here at the stool. So just say things like amen. That was good. Very good. That was great. Thank you, Keith. You're such a drummer over there. It's just awesome. So what is he saying here? Well, Jesus is talking about, of course, we understand biblically that offering is not about money. Right? It really isn't about money. It's about your heart. And so when Jesus says, hey, listen, leave your offering right where it is and go get reconciled with your neighbor. Because you cannot offer something God that's right without your heart being right. Because it's not about the money, right? And so we automatically understand that what Jesus is saying is that you cannot have a right heart with God until you first have a right heart with your neighbor. In other words, you have to first go do that before you can actually take an offering. Is that good? Okay, let's move on. Just uh, flip a few verses down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says this. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. What does persecute mean? Well, persecute would be those who, who do evil upon you, right? And persecution is a matter of perspective. Sometimes when I think, I grew up in the church, when I think persecute, I think of like, you know, somebody being martyred on the cross for Jesus, and that is absolutely, of course, persecution. But persecution is also a young 20-year-old that, st- that, that, that is in college algebra and stands up for Christ. And, uh, and, and you're in your, you know, Scientology class or whatever class you're in, and you decide to, to, to stay true to the moral fibers of our word, that is persecution. When a young man uh, decides to live pure, and to keep his ways right, and he gets ridiculed by it with, with all of his football friends, or with all, whatever the case, when you're, in, your, when you're in, an, in an environment, in a business, where people cheat the system, they cheat on their taxes, and all of a sudden you stand up, you're going to get persecuted for that. You know, the Bible says that when they begin to persecute you, he's, Jesus says, bless them. In fact, don't just bless them, pray for them. What an act of forgiveness, am I right? I mean, what, a, what is he saying here? He's saying this is a lifestyle of forgiveness. This isn't like a one-time thing. We need to be continually forgiving those that have wronged us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Verse nine. Just flip over just a few more pages there. Jesus says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me read that one more time, because this is tough. This is, this is the Bible. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is now very, fairly serious, right? I want to get this one right. I don't know about you. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 18. If we just flip over just a few more chapters. Um, uh, for, the, for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase this. I want you to go to verse 32. and we, we will read together verse 32 to 35. There's this king, and he wants to settle accounts with all of his servants. And so he brings his servant in that owed him a lot of money. 
And he looked at him and he said, well, you're going to go to jail, you and your family, if you don't get this right. Well, the, the, the servant looked at him and he said, he said Master, he said, have, have pity on me. Please just show me some empathy, show me some th- sympathy. And uh, the king did. The king had pity on him, let him go, canceled all of his debts, let him be. So the servant left there and had a servant of his own. Well, that servant owed him just a few dollars. What, if you know the story, what did he do? All of a sudden, the, the man that was forgiven much, he walks over to the guy that owed him just a few dollars. And the Bible says that he took his hands and he began to start choking him because he wasn't able to pay up. And he threatened that if he doesn't pay up, he's going to throw him in jail. Well, the master heard about this because there's other people around. They said, hey, could you believe that guy? Now we pick up in verse 32. Does that all make sense? Okay, good. But then he says this, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Should you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. I want you to be clear. Jesus gave us that whole story to tell us this next line. This is what Jesus is wanting to communicate to you this morning. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't know about you, but I do not want my sins coming back on me because I was not able to forgive right. I don't know about you, but I'd like my past to stay my past. I don't know about you, but I'd like to move forward in God's grace. And that happens through, through practical forgiveness this morning. So I've entitled this message, I Forgive. Let's, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer and ask Him to bless these next 25 minutes and 44 seconds. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. And God, I ask right now that, God, you would, you would pour into this room, speak to each one of our hearts, open our minds today. God, there might be areas in our life that, that we, have, we have always wanted to overlook. There might be areas in our life that we simply just didn't notice. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would make us aware of those things that might be, we might be holding on to today, baggage that we might be hold, holding on to today. And Jesus, I thank you that you stayed on that cross and that you have forgiven our sins. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a young girl, in fact, she's actually here this morning in this service, but there's a young girl, her name is Amy, she's a young 20-year-old, not exactly sure your exact age, 22, excuse me, I'm sorry, 22, and uh, this, is her, this is her story of forgiveness, it's a very short story, I'd like to also say I recorded this on my iPad, so it's not like great quality, but check this out, this is her story on forgiveness. Hi, my name is Amy, and this is my story on forgiveness. I was raised by my grandmother because my mom gave guardianship of me away to her, which forced me to live with my father. And all the way up until high school, I was molested by him. When I went into high school, my grandparents moved away and I had to go live with my mom. I told my mom that no one believed me. When I turned 17, I moved out, got on my own and went to the police to tell them about my dad. When court happened, everyone abandoned me. No one believed me. Everyone just thought I was just trying to ruin the family because I wasn't happy. Now my dad's in jail. And because of all of that, I became bitter. I became angry. And I was so depressed. I wasn't happy with anything. No temporary satisfaction made me happy. Drinking alcohol, doing drugs, partying. It was very temporary. It wasn't until I found Christ, the reading through the word, 
that I could forgive and be free because God has changed my heart and changed my perspective on everyone and everything around me. I've been able to forgive my grandmother, been able to forgive my mom, been able to forgive my father. And now I can smile and be happy and know that I have friends and family more than I ever thought I could. And that's my story on forgiveness. Come on. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for redemption. Thank God that he did send Jesus. Thank God that we live in a church where lives like Amy are making a difference. God is doing something in our lives. It's incredible. Come on. And Amy, we're so proud of you. If you have your hand out there, I, I want to walk through this together very quickly. I just have a few minutes. And, uh, and uh, here, I want to lay a foundation of forgiveness before we get into some points here. All right. Is that cool? Right, good? All right, just keep talking back to me or else I'll have to start running around and then it gets all crazy. Forgiveness is this, is letting go of offense. Letting go of, of offense. An offense is a, violation, is a violation. Someone offended feels violated. Uh, biblical forgiveness, Mark Driscoll, an author and pastor in Seattle, said this. I like how he, how he summed it up very, very um, simply here. He said, biblical forgiveness means that no matter how much we may have hurt, been hurt by others' sin, we give up our right to hurt them back. We love and we seek their best. Forgiveness does not mean that we ignore their sin. Neither does it mean that we act like the sin never happened and go on in a trusting relationship with the offender. And isn't it true that offense is a matter of perspective? It's a matter of perception. Even today, I could say something that I didn't find offensive. But because, because of your perception and because of what you grew up in or whatever the case, you could find something I say offensive. And that's all a matter of perception. Am I right? And what Mark Driscoll is saying here is that forgiveness is getting to a place where you're not seeking revenge, but it does not necessarily mean trusting. And I, I want to take just a second. Travis, you're right over here. Hey man, could you stand up real quick? Thank you. Good morning. You stood up so well. That was just, that was awesome. All right. Now here we go. I want to lay this out here today because I, I, I feel like there are a lot of people that, that maybe you're in this room where you're like, I cannot forgive that. I just, I, I've, I can't, it's too much, it's too great, whatever. And I think somewhat of that reason is because you don't understand biblical forgiveness. And somewhat is that we've never been really taught exactly what that forgiveness looks like, and so we have this skewed view. And so let me explain this in, in a practical way. You have offended me. Big or small, it doesn't make a difference. I found it offensive, and now I'm violated. Now I am offended, right? What the Bible says to do is that I need to get to a place where I'm not seeking revenge upon you, and I need to get to a place where I want and desire your best. That is, and, and isn't that the truth? That's how you know that you're, that you're past it. And let me be clear. The Bible does not say that I necessarily go start trusting you again. It's not what the Bible says. In fact, let's, let, if we could be really honest, most people that offend you never ask for forgiveness. Right? And for some reason, we think biblically that we are just supposed to forgive everybody in the sense that just... You're fine. You can do whatever you want to me. I'm completely vulnerable because Jesus saved me. And that is ignorant. That, that, is, that is, I don't know how else to put it. Like it is, that is a dumb th uh, thought. Um, and so let me be clear. Now, if you've offended me, I need to forgive you. Yes, that is true. But that does not necessarily mean I trust you again. Now, if you repent, 
then we can start a, a, a relationship of reconciliation. Does that make sense? So at that point, depending on how big the offense was, if you did something horrible to me, I might get to a place where I would, where it would, it, it might take me all my life to, to forget, to, to, to trust you again, not to forgive, but to trust you again, right? And here's the, here's the thing too, especially inside the church, when somebody's wronged you, um, God is dealing with them. And God, a lot of times, uses you to deal with them. And when you cover up their sin, and you, you make it act like they can just walk all over you, they can do whatever they want to you, um, man, that's, that, they're missing their moment for you to be used for them to grow in God, right? But either way, it doesn't make a difference whether they ask for forgiveness or not. We have to get to a place where we want to seek their best, and it is not always easy. Thank you, Travis. You stood up so well. It was so good. Thank you. So we're going to look at here four, four uh, types of offenses that we hold on to, all right? Now, we're going to run through these fairly quickly. And uh, like I said, at the very end of this message, you're going to have an opportunity to write down offenses on the back of the sheet. And maybe even right now, God's speaking to you. Go ahead and just write some down there, and we're going to crumple those up and let them go today. It's going to be awesome. Uh, What types of offenses do we hold on to? Number one is words. Everybody say words. Uh, You know, this is what people say. It's also what you say to yourself, right? Sometimes we've not only been verbally abused, but we verbally abuse ourselves, And that is definitely a lie of the enemy. Uh, so, some, of the, some of the words that might come up are things like, you're not good enough, uh, you can't make it. Uh, a very strong statement is, I hate you. Or if you say, I hate me, I hate my life, I hate, my, I hate myself. That is so strong. Let me, let, me give you, let me prove it. If I went to Walmart right now, just, just today at whatever time it is, and somebody just walked up to me, I don't even know them, don't, don't really have any recollection, they walk up to me and they just look me in the eye and they go, I hate you. I don't care who you are. It just, it just, man, that, that, that's strong words. And maybe you were told that growing up in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you were told that this week. I don't know. Uh, words, relationships is the next one. Girlfriends, boyfriends, close friends, coworkers, a boss that wronged you, um, a spouse that cheats on you. Man, that's tough. That is tough. Being offended and violated by a spouse that, that cheats on you. Um, somebody said this that came up to me during the first service and said, even somebody that's died, that, that, they, that you feel like they've abandoned you and, and you're still holding on to somebody that's already passed away. And so there's an offense there. There's a violation there. And isn't it true that relationships uh, are a matter of perspective? Uh, my, my wife, she, she loves to cook. And uh, you, you can come. I don't think she's ever made a, a bad dish in her life. But you, if you came over to our house and you were like, hey, that wasn't that good, you know, she might take a, I don't know if she'd take offense to that, but, you know, whatever, you know, it's, she can rub it off and it's cool. If I said that, right, husbands, it just totally changes. Everything changes. It's just a matter of perspective, right? When your wife, somebody's like, hey, you're a little overweight, you know, and then your wife's like, hey, you're a little overweight. You're like, oh, snap, you know. It just, it changes. The whole perspective completely changes. Uh, so, so relationships are huge. Experiences are big. Uh, maybe maybe your parents have been divorced. Maybe you've experienced unemployment. Oh, man, that's tough. That is an offense. That is a violation to us. Um, what else? A fight and a quarrel, a family fight. Oh, man, this is huge. You experience somebody hurting one of your kids. Oh, my goodness. I don't have any children. I have two dogs, Conan and Romeo. They're like children to me. Um, but I, I do have a wife and, you know, anyone in this room, you could, you know, you could curse me out, talk bad about me, you know, whatever you say one word about my wife and I'm going to grab the biggest man in our church. 
and we're going to have words. I'm going to beat you up, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him to beat you up. No, I'm just joking. We have experiences, right? We have experiences in our life that have caused offense in us. This is a good one. Number four is this, is unmet expectations. You have it there in your handout. And let, let's be honest. We all have expectations. You have expectations on your spouse. You have expectations on your kids. You have expectations on your parents. And so maybe you're here and, and your parents were never good enough for you. And maybe you never said that, but you always felt that. And so you always feel violated. Your mom was never as good as her mom. Your dad was never as good as her dad. And now you're holding on to that offense, and your, mom, your, your parents may have no idea about it. Your husband isn't as good as her husband. Your, your wife isn't as good as his wife. Whatever the case, we, we have these unmet expectations that if we never deal with, we'll find, we're going to find ourselves having huge baggage in our lives, and we're not going to be living free or traveling light. And so we have unmet expectations. You have, un, unmet expe- you have expectations on this service. You have, you have expectations on your pastor. You have expectations on your church. You have expectations on our school system. And all of these things, whether we realize it or not, they can create, you know, issues in our life because we never quite were able to forgive unmet expectations. And so I want to dive right into this. Four facts on godly forgiveness here. Number one is this, is forgiveness is not optional. Everybody just say that with me. Forgiveness is not optional. Matthew 6, verse 15 says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What is he saying? If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. This is not an option. For some reason in our Christendom, for some reason in our, in our Christian culture, we've gotten to a place where it's like, I can forgive if I want to. No, you don't have a choice. We serve the king. If we are going to serve the master, if he really is going to be the Lord of your life, and if this word is active and living in your Bible, then the moment that I preach this is the moment that something has to change in our lives. We have to get to a place where forgiveness is not an option. And I know it's so easy where we, get, we, where we, can, we can find ourselves making excuses, we, you know, because we have our reasons. Well, PG, you don't understand what was done to me. You don't understand what this happened. You don't understand it's been 20 years of this. You don't understand this. Maybe I don't today. I don't even want to tell you that I do. But I can tell you that Jesus does. And he understood it so much that he died on the cross for it. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to take that pain. We are not supposed to hang on to this. It is not a part of our DNA as believers of Jesus Christ. It's not a part of our fiber to hang on to offense. We are called to let it go. Amen? And it is a lie of the enemy if you ever find yourself in a place where you say, well, I have my reasons. Who gave you those reasons? Who was that? Was that Jesus? Was that the Holy Spirit? Was that His Word? That wasn't, that wasn't God. We have got to make a decision. I'm here, I'm here to tell you, this is not easy. It's not easy walking this out. Which gets me to point number two, which is forgiveness never stops. I want to make sure that we, as as we're letting go of offenses today, we're not under the inclination that we're just going to do this today. That is not what the Word says at all. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And let me just say, seven times is a lot. What does he say? Seventy-seven times times. Of course, you know, Peter wasn't going to literally make ticks and make sure that he figured them all out. And at the 78th, he was done. Of course, that wasn't the case. What is he saying? It is a lifestyle of forgiveness, right? We've got to make a decision that we are daily 
always forgiving, that it becomes a part of our fiber all the time. Amen? It's not a one-time thing. Let me ask you, let me say this. Thank God that Jesus didn't make it a one-time thing. Thank God that our word does not say, well, his love covers the past and the present. You know what it says? The past, the present, and the future. His love, his love covers a multitude of sins. And if Jesus Christ, thank God he did that, and if he is Christ, and if we are Christians, if we are Christ followers, then we are called to have Christ live in and through us. Am I right? So if Jesus says that we are to always forgive, and if he is always forgiving, then that same Christ must be living inside of us. And at some point in your life, you're going to start seeing reflections of your maturity in Christ as you grow. And as you grow, you're going to be able to become more forgiving because you're going to be less about you and your old self. You'll be more about Christ and your new self. Amen? So number, so number two is forgiveness never stops. Number three is this. Forgiveness is freedom. Everybody say that. Forgiveness is freedom. Mark 11, verse 25 says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I'm going to tell you, when you forgive, you open the door of forgiveness in your life. It is freedom to you. And you have got to get yourself to a place. I know it is so easy. When you begin to let go, let, let, let me say this. If you don't let go, you have baggage. Pastor's been talking about it. Imagine if you were in the third row, you know, you got baggage. You're like, excuse me, excuse me, just coming through, you know. You're like, you're here at church. You're in 1130, you know, here, let's just try it for a second. Why not? It's third service. Hey, excuse me. I just, can I, can I just get right in that inter- intersection? Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, can you, can you move or something? I mean, come on. <laughs> These people at City Church are crazy, you know. No, right? And, th- and then all of a sudden we're standing in worship. You make all things new. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense at all. And so we, we, get, we get to a place where, 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 where we, we, we're not traveling light anymore because we weren't able to let go of offense. Because we weren't able to quite forgive. You have to understand that the moment that you begin to forgive is the moment that things get lighter in your life. And let God come in and have his way in our lives. And Satan wants, to, wants, to give, wants you to keep your reasons and not let go because he doesn't want you to become free. He doesn't want you free. He doesn't want you to start thinking missionally. He, do, he doesn't want you to start thinking about campuses and winning a city and seeing people changed and believing in faith. He doesn't want you doing that. He wants you bound up, worried about your baggage. And so you have to understand that, that, that forgiveness is freedom. And when you find that freedom, man, you start thinking in a way that you never thought, bef- that you never thought possible before. And the devil is a liar. Amen. He is a liar. He's going to communicate lies to us. But our God is faithful. We put our words. That's why, we, that's why we battle it with our mind. We battle it with the word of God, right, the truth of his word. And so forgiveness is freedom. Number four is this. Is forgiveness is for you. This is for you today. And I want to be very clear. This is not just for your neighbor. God is doing something in your life today. You came to church today. You came to this service, and God is speaking to you right now. Every person in this room, if you are not, I don't, as far as I know, nobody's Jesus in the room. All right? We are becoming like Jesus. That word is sanctification. We are becoming like Christ. You know what that means? If we are not Jesus, we are, coming, we are becoming like Jesus, which means we got junk in our lives. Bottom line, maybe you have some little offenses. Maybe you got some big offenses. And, and I would like to say that the little ones always become big. And so no matter where you are today, whether it's big or whether it's small, forgiveness is for you. And it's one thing if I got up here and I preached a message that said something like this, which sounds good. 
hey, church, Jesus can handle all of your pain. He can handle all of your hurts. He can handle anything that you've ever gone through. Jesus can handle it all. That sounds good. That is unbiblical. It's not Jesus can handle it. Jesus wants to handle it. He wants to be actively involved in every area of your life. It, I mean, just you've got to understand this. This is the message of God's grace. It, it's, not, it's not like God's up there and we're down here trying to fend for ourselves. And, and, you know, and he's too busy for our small things. And he's too busy. He doesn't want to walk through our forgiveness with us. We need to forgive. We need, we need to figure it all out. And then we can come to Christ. No, no, that's not what it says at all. The Bible says, come as you are. Right? You have to understand, this is the message of, of the gospel of Christ. This is the message of grace, is that it's not just that forgiveness is for you, but Jesus wants to take it. He wants to get dirty in your forgiveness. He wants to get into your junk. And can I say, when you begin to do I know it's not easy to forgive, but when you begin to start, when you begin to start living your life like that, you begin to have a relationship with Christ that you never imagined. You begin to have such an intimacy with Jesus because you're actually beginning to suffer. Instead of our pride just moving past all that stuff and God is wanting to work in our lives, we decide to let our pride down and say, God, you're actually dealing with me with this. This is for me. And you have a, you have a, you have a, you have a moment right here, right now. You can either decide that this, is mes- this message is for your neighbor or this is for you. And I'm here to tell you it is for you. What was, what were, let me ask you this. What was one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross? Forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. One of the greatest ways that you can worship God beyond just singing a song is on Monday morning, you waking up and saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I'm not necessarily going to trust in them again. But God, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And so I let that go today. That offense, that boss, that coworker, that family member, whatever the case God, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Because you know what? The Bible also says it is God's will that none should perish. You know what that means? That means that person that offended you, God loves them. He wants them in the kingdom of Christ. And you know who's around them? Guess what? It's you. (laughs) And so if we deal with this, not only is it for our own lives, but it's so that people can come into the kingdom of Christ. And so let it be, if we are Christ followers, let us follow the cross, follow Jesus every day of our life and say, God, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I want you to check out this video very quickly. It's, I want to intro it. It's, um, it's a movie, it's a clip from a movie called Gridiron Gang. Is that it? Yeah, I think it's Gridiron Gang. It's a football movie. And there's this moment where there's this young man, his name's Willie, and he needs to, needs to let go of his, of his, he needs to forgive his father. And so the coach comes in, and they talk about forgiveness. As you're watching this, I want you to go ahead and pull out that handout if you have it. I want to make sure you have it. And as you're watching this, I want you to think about your life spiritually. I want you to take a second. Forget about all the f- football stuff. Just take a moment, and what is God speaking to you? Once, that, once the video is done, the band's going to come back up, and then I'm going to give you in the next few minutes to just take a minute right where you are in your seat and just look at this. You can look at your handout and go, okay, what, what offenses do I need to let go of? And you can write them all out. You've got some more room right there for the notes. At the very end of this, we're going we're gonna to crumple it up, and we're going to take it to the altar, and we're going to end in some worship together. So check out this video and allow God to speak to you right here, right now. Go ahead. Let's roll that clip. I don't know what's happening to me, man. 
I do. You're not the loser you were when you first got here, Willie. You're just not used to being a winner. <laughs> My father said I was a waste of his time and his money. Your father was a loser, Willie. My old man was the same way. He spent so much time telling me I was no good, telling me it was nothing. I believed him. And why are you so pissed off all the time? <laughs> yeah. It's probably got something to do with it. I know how you feel, Willie. You get to the point where you expect to screw up. You expect to fail. If we want to win, we got to let him go. Forgive him and move on. Forgive him. Forgive him. Otherwise, we give him too much power over us. And they don't deserve it. Well, how long it take you to forgive your dad? Just now. Just now. God, we hold in our hands this handout. And um, Lord, I know it's just a piece of paper, but God, I know your Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. So God, right now, I pray that you would open our hearts Open our minds. God, let us see the areas that we hold on to. Open our hearts to the baggage. And God, give us the boldness to let them go today. Holy Spirit, do what we can't do. In Jesus' name, amen. Just go ahead and take the next few minutes. The band's going to play. And uh, when you feel ready, you can, you can ride out your fences, crumble them up, and you can just lay them down at this altar. And we'll end in worship.